0: It's a beautiful Shabbos afternoon, but at the same time, it's overcast, very wet, and even rainy outside. So there's not that much to do after the meal, but to stay at home and to find some activities for yourself and for your family. Somebody in the family suggests that it's been a long time since we played one of those age-old classics like Scrabble, or let's do a puzzle together as a family. What a wonderful opportunity to spend time with each other, and then you remember that one of the prohibitions of Shabbos is about writing and forming words or pictures. So, what can we? What can be done? What can you do, and what should you refrain from doing? That's one topic that we're going to get to today. In addition, there are also other topics related to this. For example. Um, cutting cakes that have writing on them, opening packages that have writing on them. But there's other topics that are seemingly unconnected, like um, hiring help at your next family simcha. When you're preparing to celebrate a milestone and need some extra help, how is it permissible? In what way is it permissible to hire that help? Or another example, um, can you give a present? You're attending a family simcha and you forgot to bring along a gift, and you feel that you know that you need to participate and to show your uh, love by providing a gift that the person can remember you by and um, appreciate that you came. And you forgot until Shabbos. Are you allowed to grab something from your house and bring it? Um, or another question would be. Um, Friday night, you run out of reading material, you see a cookbook on the shelf, are you allowed to take down that cookbook and and read it? So these last set of questions, although they seem all over the map, are actually very much connected to the topic of this year's Shabbos Learning Project, which is the general subject of the prohibition of writing and erasing on Shabbos. So some of the earlier questions, it's clear the connection between writing and Scrabble or... Um, erasing and cutting a birthday cake with lettering. But the other questions about hiring, um, about giving a present, about reading a cookbook, those are actually also in the same category. Those are rabbinic prohibitions that are related to the subject of writing and erasing. So that's our task, and that'll be our pleasure this year and the following six weeks of the Shabbos Learning Project. So, without further ado, let's jump into week number one and topic number one. And I thank you all for your participation and for listening. The goal is each week to release a podcast like this, focused on one angle of this large topic, and we'll go through the basic building blocks of the halacha and uh, several uh, practical applications. And then you will be primed and well-prepared for each week's Shabbos Learning Project take-home quiz uh, which in Yitzh Hashem will be on our tables at Shul and sent out over email each week of the next six weeks so that we can take uh, some of these questions, which in the past have been fun, entertaining, and engaging. And when, hopefully when they're written this year, <laughs> they will have a similar style um, and uh, and and be a great way of spending time together as a family, learning, laughing, and ultimately elevating our Shabbos. So let us begin. As we know, there are 39 categories of malacha, of prohibited creative acts on Shabbos. Two of them are ksiva and mechika, writing and erasing. The source for this, and indeed the source for all of the 39 malachas, are various actions in the service of, or the preparation of, The uh, the Mishkan. We know that in the Torah, the prohibition, uh, the prohibitions of Shabbos and the construction of the Mishkan are in close are are, um, revealed in close proximity, and the reason is because we are to learn the thirty nine categories of prohibited labor from the Mishkan. So, where was the writing and erasing in the Mishkan? The writing and erasing the Mishkan took place in um, uh, marking off the various planks. Of the Mishkan, the K'rushim, the various planks of the Mishkan, that were assembled in a very specific order, and in order to ensure that they are disassembled when they are disassembled, that they are reassembled in the same order, they were marked off, Um, and this is because it was necessary to know exactly where each plank went, because the law was, the halacha was, that the each plank had its place. A plank that was uh, supposed to be constructed. On the northern wall was not allowed to be constructed to be in, uh, implanted into the southern wall one that on the east couldn't be moved on to the west they had to maintain their positions and therefore those that were in charge of constructing the mishkan marked off each plank with a number or a letter or a symbol that would indicate and that it would become clear to those who were reassembling the mishkan when it was reassembled uh, what the order of the planks was and by the way this is actually a very inspiring idea Every plank in the Mishkan, every small plank, had its place and its mission. And its mission surrounding the the middle, which was the ultimate place of Hashra HaShashchina, of God's presence. And the planks that were, there were some planks that were closer and some planks that were further. And every single one had its place and its mission. And we were not to mix them up. Similarly, every Jew is a part of that incredible spiritual edifice there is the Mishkan or the Beis Hamikdash, the actual place where uh, the physical location, locale, or God's presence was felt. But then there is the nondescript, not dependent upon location, presence of God that rests upon all of Klisrael as a collection, as a collective unit. Called Bei Asara every ten Jews is a place, especially when they come together, is a place of the Ashras Hashkina of God's presence. So each one of us carries a certain degree of God's presence with us that we lend to the greater Kalal Yisrael, the greater Jewish people. And we all have to remember and recognize that we have our own place and our own mission. And we can look at other planks across the way. And sometimes a person might be thinking, oh, I really wish I was where that plank is, where that person is. I really wish I had that person's strengths, that person's blessings, that person's mission. And we have to recognize that we are all placed in our own area, in our own uh, unique, given our own unique angle within the global mission of the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So that's something that we can keep in mind when we refrain from writing on Shabbos um, and when we refrain from the prohibited activities that are connected to these malachas of Kassiva and Mechika, what we're left with is the inspirational message that each one of us were prescribed a position around Hashem's world. Shabbos is a time to focus on that prescription and not to write a new prescription of our own. So that's the idea. Uh, that, that's the source and the idea of the malach of Xiva and mechika, writing and erasing. So now what is included in this malachah? So first of all, that includes writing any two letters or from a biblical perspective. The biblical prohibition against writing is writing two letters. That includes, by the way, not just letters of a specific language. It can also include pictures or really any meaningful symbol. Which can also constitute biblical writing. So what is included, what's called a meaningful symbol? Stick figures, smiley faces, at signs, um, you know, a hashtag. All those are meaningful symbols and meaningful signs that are obviously um, also considered to be writing. What about things that don't have much meaning? You know, like a circle or a triangle or a square. So if you're intentionally sitting down with pen and paper, to write a circle, triangle, or a square, then it doesn't matter that it doesn't have a symbol. The act of writing itself would be at least be a, prohibi- a rabbinic prohibition. But there are other cases where a person forms a basic symbol or a shape. Would that be prohibited as well? For example, scooping out some egg salad out of a container to put onto a plate uh, for Shal Shittis. For some reason, we only have egg salad at Shal Shittis. That's a subject of another class as to why that is. But if you want to have some egg salad or scoop out a melon ball or something to put onto a plate, make it look nice for dessert, um, is, that, is that acceptable? Or is that considered to be forming a symbol? So the Shmir Shabbos the incredible foundational work of contemporary Shabbos halacha actually forbids scooping out balls of melon or egg salad, but many other postgames say that that is a great example of a form, you don't really intend to form something of significance, it's just a way of, um, it's just a basic, basic shape and a convenient way of serving, and therefore it would be permissible. One other thing to know about the biblical prohibition of writing is that only shel shall, shall k'ayama, only writing that is lasting that is long-lasting, would be a biblical prohibition. Uh, if you have ink or etching that can last for a considerable period of time, that is including, that's included. How long is that period of time? So some say it's the duration of a Shabbos, like a 24-hour period, give or take. Some say it has to last a little bit longer. If it doesn't last that long, then that's not the biblical defini- de- definition of writing, but it still carries with it a rabbinic prohibition. So, some examples of writing that is not so long-lasting, but still has a rabbinic prohibition that is forbidden to do, would be uh, writing on the condensation of a foggy window. Or, you take out uh, some drinks from the fridge, nice ice-cold bottle of Coke, are you allowed to write your name in it? Or, Good Shabbos, in, the bottle of, uh, in, the, in that moisture, the condensation on the bottle of Coke, the answer would be no, you can't do so. But, um, if you're not writing if you're not forming something that has some meaning to it, and it's very temporary and um, you know, doesn't affect all that much, like just taking the condensation and pushing it down, playing with it, um, that, I believe, would not be prohibited. That would not be in the category of writing, certainly not on a, from a biblical level and not even on a rabbinic level, because it's just pushing around moisture. You're not forming any meaningful shapes, and it's certainly not shokayama. It's not lasting. So those are some of the ingredients of, a, of the biblical uh, writing. It's writing letters uh, or meaningful symbols and uh, having some degree of lasting, or even if they don't last very long, that would still be a rabbinic prohibition. Um, the next topic here is, um, I'm going to present it from the original source, which is a really fundamental responsa written by the Rama, Moshe Isilis, the same Ramah that added his glosses to the entire Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch is comprised of the Piskei Halacha, the rulings of the Beis Yosef, Harav Yosef Karo, and overlaid by the comments of the Ramah, Rav Moshe Isilis, who is the final decisor of Halacha for Ashkenazi Jewry. In addition to his comments on the Shulchan Aruch, the Ramah wrote many, many Sepharim, many, many books, including um, a response, including Chuvos. In one tshuva, he was asked about, um, about writing on the side of a book. So in our world, the most prevalent example of this is when you go to the library and you take out a book from the DeKalb County library system. You look at the side very often. I don't know if this is still the case, but when I was a kid, that's certainly the case. I have to double-check the library books <coughs> we have at home, um, which we have to return. <laughs> um, there is often a stamp on the side of the book. So the Ramah was asked, can you open and close that book on Shabbos? Because when you open the book, you're going to be breaking apart letters. When you close the book, you're going to be forming letters. Is that a problem of ksiva, of writing, and mechika? Is opening the book an issue of erasing? And is closing the book an issue of writing on Shabbos? That's what the Ramah deals with, many hundreds of years ago. The Ramah answers, and he rules leniency, uh, with a leniency. He says it's permissible. And that's for two reasons. Now, in usually in SLP, Shabbos, Learning Project Recordings, I focus more on the bottom line, halakha. But in this case, um, it's very interesting and how the Ramah arrives at his conclusion and how those who disagree, wh- upon what they disagree, really informs many of the specific um, halachos lamasa, practical halachas. So let me... Uh, break this down for you in the simplest way. He, here's what the Ramos says. He gives two reasons for his ruling of leniency. We are now, by the way, at the 14-minute mark of our time together, and I thank you for continuing to listen and learn with me. Uh, I'm going to try to, to try to present this complex issue and some of the conclusions in the next six minutes. Okay, so let's, let's see if I can do this. <laughs> if, oh no, it's 14 minutes and 23 seconds. Um, Okay, here we go. So there's two reasons why the Ramah rules leniently. The first one is based upon the Gemara, where the Gemara says that if a person writes one letter in the city of Teveria, in Israel, and writes another letter a long way away in the city of Tzipori, he is chayev, he is liable for writing. Remember, the biblical prohibition against writing is writing two letters. So let's say he writes two letters and they're very, very far apart. The Gemara says, even so, the person is chayv, he's liable, which means that biblical writing, what's considered to be writing, does not need to be uh, in physical close proximity. We view the two letters as being connected, even though they're separated by a long distance. So the Ramah extends this concept to apply to the letters that are formed and separated when opening and closing a book. You're simply creating distance, and distance does not, uh, is not considered to be uh, a factor when it comes to writing or when it comes to erasing, meaning bringing two letters that are distant closer together is not writing, and taking two letters that are close together and moving them farther apart is not considered to be erasing. And we know that from the Gemara above about writing, that w- when you're writing in two totally different places, we don't consider the distance to be a factor. So the Ramallah says here, too, all you're doing when you're opening and closing the books is you are um, creating distance, and distance doesn't count. And therefore, he re- that's one reason. There are those who argue, that Avnei Nez and others say that uh, there's, it's, there's a distinction between breaking apart two different letters and breaking apart a single letter. So when it comes to breaking apart letters of a word, we know that, that doesn't, that's not significant halakhically. But who says that breaking apart individual letters is not a significant uh, move, that is not considered to be um, erasing or writing in halacha? And therefore, he and others argue with the Ramah in that reason. The second reason the Ramah lo- rules leniently in this idea of opening and closing the book is um, it's, it's the open-door policy, the door principle. We know there's a prohibition against building or adding to structures on Shabbos, so a classic question is why is it permitted to open and close your front door? Isn't opening the door removing or taking away from a structure? Closing a door is, is, uh, uh, is closing up an open wall? So the answer is a principle that something which is designed for consistent opening and closing does not constitute the malacha of building. So similarly, the Ramah argues that a book is meant to be open and closed constantly, and therefore that opening and closing won't have halakhic significance and won't result in halakhic writing when the letters are broken or reformed. Uh, and on this, too, there are those who dissent, who argue, and we're not going to take the time to go into their dissenting opinions. So these are the two reasons why the Ramal rules leniently. The first one is the lack of significance of distance in writing, and the second one is something which is designed to constantly affect it, write in a race um, like a book, would, like the like the sides of a book, would not be writing. This question uh, fuels many, many other applications. So let me give you an example. Um, your magazine that you like to read on Shabbos got ripped. There's a riveting story you were looking to read, and somebody picked it up or ripped the page. Are you allowed to bring the torn page closer to the magazine so that you can read it fluidly? Is that permissible or not? So let's break this down. According to the Ramah's first reason, that distance is not significant. So yes, you're closing a gap between the letters, but that's not cons- considered to be writing. According to the Rama's second reason, that you can close a book because it's meant to open and close. So obviously that can't be extended to this case of the torn page of a magazine that's not designed to be ripped and reformed. So that's where it's important to understand his, his two reasons and which one is most significant. So now... Uh, let's get into some practical uh, piske halacha, some practical directives from our poskim. So the the shaila, the issue: writing on the edge of a book. Are you allowed to open and close a book that has writing on the side? Bottom line is, the Mishtaburah says the custom is to be lenient, but it's good to be stringent unless you have another book because there are many dissenting opinions. That's what he says. Custom is generally to be lenient, but if you have another option, use that. What about the issue of a torn page? So here, Robosha Feinstein and others make a distinction between a case where you can basically make out the words on the other side uh, or where you can't. Like you can tell from this side of the page what the, other, what the word might be or the letters might be. Uh, in that case, since you're, you're not really doing anything significant because you can make it out, you're just making it clearer, therefore we tend to be more lenient about bringing close uh, a torn page. Next issue. What about playing with puzzles on Shabbos? And I'm looking at the time and I see that we're approaching the 20-minute mark, so maybe I'll just leave it here. Nah, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I wouldn't leave you like that. Especially looking outside at the overcast skies. So when it comes to playing puzzles on Shabbos, there may be some leading opinions out there. Many post-gim and halachic guides generally forbid playing with puzzles on Shabbos. And this is for two reasons. Number one, because as we are referencing, generally, according to the Mishnah of there is a stringent custom regarding uh, you know, opening and closing a book. We tend to try and avoid getting into the narrow straits of the dispute of Torah giants. So it's better to avoid. And that would be applicable to a case of uh, forming letters or, or uh, pictures in forming a puzzle. Just like we don't close books if we can avoid it, we also don't close pictures by, by, by playing with puzzles. That's one. In addition, there's another issue um, that is raised by some of the most foundational sources in codified law. Beis Yosef, Magnav Ramish, Mishnah brua Rav Feinstein. They all add an additional point learned from an entirely separate section of Gemara. This is one area in which you see how Torah is all one and one t- seemingly totally unconnected sugya uh, area of, of, of the Gemara is, teaches us some Hilchah Shabbos. So without the details, but the Gemara in Gittin is talking about the writing of an emancipation document for a servant, something like as far from the practical mind as you can, you can consider. Um, we don't have that entire institution anymore. But um, the Gemara talks about writing of this document and what constitutes writing. And the conclusion there is that writing through embroidery, uh, affixing letters or p- pieces of letters onto a, onto a background is considered to be a form of writing when it's done in a way which is strong. A, a, a letter which is fully affixed would be an issue, would, would be considered writing. And therefore the poskim take from there and they stretch it to El and they tell us that affixing letters to a background, uh, or to each other would also be a form of writing. So therefore, puzzles, when they fit tightly, the pieces fit tightly together. That may fit into this category as well. So what's generally recommended is that adults refrain from playing with puzzles, especially puzzles of like a five hundred, a thousand pieces, where the pieces fit tightly together, tight-fitting pieces. That would carry with it two issues: the issue, the same issue of closing the book, uh, which is it is customary. It's not absolutely prohibited, but it's customary to refrain. And, uh, and this second issue of, of writing through embroidery, what we're calling embroidery, of, of fixing letters together. So adults are generally uh, recommended to refrain from, from putting together pieces of a puzzle on Shabbos, whereas with younger children, and certainly with puzzles that have bigger pieces and fit together loosely, we tend to be more lenient. Okay, final uh, question. Let's get to Scrabble. What about playing Scrabble? Scrabble is a game where you take letters that are formed on individual chips and put those chips together. So can you give a ruling based upon the principles we've learned in in the class so far? So I think it it becomes pretty clear. Separating and forming words with prefab letters does not constitute writing and separating them does not constitute erasing. So it should really be fine. But there are a couple of scenarios of caution. One is travel scrabble, where it's not just placing the pieces next to each other, but snapping those chips into a t- that fit tightly into a frame so that when you go over bumps, the board and the game is not erased. The travel scrabble would be an issue of this embroidery style of writing that we just mentioned above, and it should be avoided. Post can also talk about people's, you know, um, their tendency to Try to keep track of scores, and maybe we should be cautious against writing down scores on Shabbos, and maybe we shouldn't play Scrabble at all. But I believe the general um, uh, the, the general practice is to be lenient with regards to playing Scrabble on Shabbos. So, so you might be advised to put away that puzzle, but then you can take out the Scrabble and uh, have a wonderful time with your family on Shabbos. Until next week, good Shabbos. Look out for those quizzes, and please be in touch with any questions, or suggestions. Thank you for listening.